Sarah, welcome back. It's our second episode together. Are you excited? Oh, you know what? I washed my hair. I'm so excited. You washed I, your hair. You you, you washed no, your hair just for. The, I mean, because I you're did, not going out of the house otherwise. Just for I mean. you, just for you. Because <laughs> oh my gosh, I I realized last week that I'd gone all week without washing my hair because I don't swim. Like the pools are closed. And I don't mm. think about it otherwise. And I think Friday I washed my hair, and today's the first time I washed my hair since then. <laughs> okay, but just I'm, for I'm, you, <laughs> just for me, yay! Okay, I would, I would make fun of you, but I went through the same transition when I retired from pro. Uh, that makes me feel better. <sighs> Where you like forget to bathe if you don't work out. It's oh. like because it go those things go together right oh yeah so and when I first retired I had a break like where I might have just been running every other day like there wasn't a lot of working out for a few months before I started to ramp it up again and uh yeah I definitely was like had to remind myself to bathe so I'm hearing you I feel like when I get a little funky I can remember to bathe but it's more just when you when I mean my hair's always pulled back so I don't really notice um I'm glad now all of the listeners know my hygiene habits or lack thereof. Well, I've been laughing all week because, oh, hey, listeners, yep. my hair's clean. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me, but you know it now. <laughs> it's funny because I've been the same, like the same thing all week. I, I have I still have meetings lined up. Right. And because I'm used to working from home, I still show up to Zoom meetings like relatively presentable like yeah. I still look kind of work from homey to be clear but like I'm you know I'm and a lot of people have been not wanting to turn their video on because they they haven't it's their first time working from home right and they got kids at home now too half of them oh. and so they're like I can't turn my video on right now <laughs> that's amazing so, I'm sure this is yeah. a common problem <laughs> yes I'm sure that the world is feeling you right now but I understand that you didn't you, you didn't know why we called the podcast if we were riding? Well, I feel like this is something that because we've never ridden together and I just want to know. Yeah. So I thought it was a good question. You asked me before the show. And, you know, when when Kelly O'Mara and I first started this podcast, I guess almost two years ago, we or more than two years ago, we we went back and forth with a lot of different names, but we wanted something that sounded casual sort of like something that was going to capture the vibe of how we were going to plan to talk to each other just in this. We were going to talk about list out topics like we do. We generally know what we're going to talk about, but we beforehand, it's not super scripted. It's definitely not a straight up interview based podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about topics in the sport and outside the sport. So we thought, you know, that's how we would talk to each other if we were riding bikes. So that's why we called it if we were riding. I'm I'm pretty casual lady, so I, that works mm -hmm. for me, you know, casual bike ride virtually together. That would actually, did you and Kelly ever do record a podcast while riding your bikes? No, we should have, but we, I had a number of people email me and tell me how we could do that. Yeah. Like there are people, do you, you know, in the motorcycle world, whatever that is, <laughs> um, they record, there are people who record podcasts like that. So they're out okay. riding or they take a GoPro, they take GoPro images of themselves riding and then they actually record, like they record audio either while they're out there talking to each other or afterwards they record a conversation over top of it. That's a thing. We could do it on Zwift. We could. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I know you and Kelly have talked about Swift before. <laughs> we have. I was very upset about the, <laughs> about the uh, what do you call them? My brain's not working today. Avatars? The, the avatars. Mm. Yes. I had things to say about the avatars. Yeah. But yes, we could. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Zip should, Zwift should probably sponsor us. Oh, yeah. Good point. Let's not, you know, just give them. Well, they they work with me. So like so I'm I'm mm. the the tri team academy, you know, the mentor. So, yeah. But yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I'm going to be really tough. If you guys want a plug on this very fancy podcast with two fancy people. Exactly. <laughs> you can edit that out, sir. <laughs> Setting the hard line. I love it. Okay. Coming up on the show, we're going to have story time with Sarah and Sarah, in which one of us confronts a troll and the other fixes her dishwasher. Where we have six things to feel optimistic about and how Olympic athletes are handling the postponement of the games. And also we had three voicemails from listeners after this. At Live Feisty Media, we are so grateful to have sponsors who support women's coverage of sport. If We Were Riding is sponsored by Noon Hydration. We will be back next week with a better ad. I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. So Sarah, I understand that you confronted a troll this week. Is that like under a bridge or what kind of troll? Well, that's a different story. I actually do have a troll under a bridge story. Can I tell that one first? It's really short. It's really short. So a few years ago in Boulder, there was some guy who was living under one of the bridges on the bike path. And he would demand a tax from a toll from people going under the bridge and he would say he said that he was the bridge troll and in order to pass they needed to pay him he only got up with those got away with those hijinks for so long before the police got him but yes random troll bridge troll story this is more of an online one so you know one of the uh pleasures of our social media world is that you know you you can get some flack sometimes from people and I have a pretty thick skin. It used to bother me a lot more as a younger athlete, but now like uh, people, they like to just say things sometimes. And I don't think they realize that you're a human being behind it. That you're a real person. That you're a real person with, (laughs) with real feeling. And you know, most of the time I just ignore it. I don't, I don't engage. But last week I'm like, you know what? I just, I can't like, I, Somebody posted something and it just bothered me. I'm like, you know what? We need more kindness and love in this world. You know, this coronavirus world with all of its uncertainty. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm just not going to let this pass. And it was actually really good because I wasn't confrontational. It was more of like a, so I direct messaged him on Instagram. I'm like, you know what? That thing you said it kind of hurt my feelings and 
you know, it's just, I just, I hope you're doing okay. I just wanted to let you know that. And it, he wrote back and he's like, he's some, you know, he's some triathlete and he, he's like, I just honestly didn't think that you would read that comment. I was making a joke. It clearly was a very poor joke. Uh, and it was probably a little mean. I just thought, I just assumed you would never notice it. And, you know, I hope you're doing well and thank you for taking the time to write to me. And it just, it was, a, it was actually a really nice moment. It could have, it could have been a, a nasty moment, but it actually turned out to be, a, you know, give, give me faith in humanity. Yeah. And yeah. what a great way to respond to it with vulnerability right? On your part. I think I, I actually have a belief that when people are being mean online, it's often more a reflection of how they feel about themselves than yeah. how they feel about you. So there's a certain, I have a certain amount of empathy for that a little bit, because it's like, if you're online and you really feel you need to say something really cruel about someone else, like that's not a person who feels good about Ooh. themselves in the world. So there, there are two categories. I totally agree with you with that one. But then I've I've realized because, you know, when you race in a public light, like you get a lot of people who think they're experts mm. and they don't realize that, you know, some of their quote unquote advice might be actually misguided or a little cruel. Yeah. So I don't think that's necessarily it's probably overvaluing their own firsthand experience or understanding of something and right and it like the end result just makes the other person feel bad but they think they're being helpful so i think there is sometimes a misguided desire to help or be an expert when they're when somebody's not you know right. you were basically mansplained on the internet that's what happened oh i it? oh i have been mansplained right. but also but also female-splained Okay, you know, yeah. I would say there is sure. a surprising gender. Our, we love our male listeners, but there, it was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, I think yes, yes. <laughs> I think most of our male listeners will be sympathetic to the fact that sometimes we end up with men explaining things to us who shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it happens. So my story for the week has to do with oh. my dishwasher. Completely different direction yeah um, but me. i had but but also like dishwasher basically when appliances break in the age of the coronavirus uh -oh. that's what that's what i would title this tale so my dishwasher well it was kind of my own fault because before i left for new zealand which was about a month ago now my dishwasher broke maybe a week before i tried a couple things to fix it that, f that failed a friend of mine came over tried to fix it didn't really work so i i was like well you know what whatever I'll just leave it until I get back I actually no to be fair I had to manually remove like some stinking water that had been sitting in the bottom Ooh. of it yeah it was really gross but I just didn't have time to deal with it I'm like going to New Zealand whatever so I left it, for two weeks I came back it might heal itself in the meantime you never know <laughs> right well this is you're like giving away the punchline here. oh no I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. sorry just edit that part out Erin <laughs> So, so I come back from New Zealand and it's, I literally missed the, like the mandatory, mandatory yeah. quarantine by one day. Oof. And so I like, I came back anyway. So of course nobody's coming up to fix my dishwasher. Right. Right. So now I can't use it. I'm like washing my dishes by hand. It's a pain in the arse. And then 
I woke up the other morning and I thought, you know, it's been like a month. Like, I no, one thing I do know about the dishwasher is that there was, it was just like food clogged somewhere. Oh, in the pipes. Like that's what I needed help with. I had to have someone come in and take apart some of the pipes in the back. Like I took apart the ones that I could see, but there was something, you know, somewhere I couldn't see. Anyway. So like I woke up and I thought, you know, what happens to food in pipes? Right? <laughs> like uh. it, it either like, dries up or starts to decompose or something so i just thought you know maybe i've just waited long enough that the food has decomposed wait do you do you can i ask a really important question here do you not (laughs) rinse your dishes or scrape them off before you put them in there I may be a little bit lax on the rinsing and scraping. Zero sympathy for the story. (laughs) (laughs) Here. Sorry. I was going to say just that my, if I was going to just put just, just to end the story, my advice for people, if you don't have time to fix your dishwasher is just to wait it out. Whatever's clogging, it will decompose. Then just run it through with some cleaner. Oh and you're good to go. Goodness. So, man, that's, I, that's I how was, I fixed it. I'm glad that worked for you because that's normally my approach and it never works. Yeah, never. <laughs> that's partially why I was so um, I was so pleased. Yeah. Because normally those things don't work out. And I you learned like, your lesson and now you're going to rinse your dishes a little bit better. I am going to actually my dish. It's one of these new fancy dishwashers that says you're not supposed to rinse your dishes and now i'm just calling bs on that well you if are you put supposed like to rinse your dishes an entire like chicken leg in there of course it's not gonna yeah or whatever like my work. nine-year-old yeah decides <laughs> to like load into the dish but it will eventually decompose so not to okay. worry <laughs> okay oh, so man. given that it's been kind of a rough couple weeks yeah in the world oh my um, we wanted to talk about some things to be optimistic about and i understand you have some some things that you're feeling optimistic well about. okay so i don't know how you've been handling it but i've just been like going between two extremes and that's like just let's pretend everything is normal and the world is going to end and like get into prepper mode so I keep on getting in trouble with my better half because do, wait, do you, do you know what a prepper is? Mm-mm. Oh, how do you know, know what this is? Okay. So prepper is somebody is preparing basically for the apocalypse. So you, you oh, need a to prepper, a prepper, oh, okay. like that's as like oh, a, okay. As yeah. a title for a person. Got it. Oh, okay. oh yeah. You got to watch this show. Doomsday preppers. Anyway. So there's a fairly strong, uh, prepper vein running through my family and like we're we're ready for when things get real like we have I, I just, a plan like we're going up to my parents farm we're gonna like start a little commune up there like we're good a bunker no so we're so we're like hippie preppers you okay. know you know we're we're not like the other extreme you know which is basically you gotta have lots of weapons and you know like yeah we're not doing that that we're, would be like a doomsday prepper maybe yeah we're, we're more like, like back to the earth preppers okay um got it so i for like i try to by the way i'm just kind of going on an aside here and we're just running with it so <laughs> but i'm just telling you how i've been responding to all this thing so i like 
Ben keeps on having to check this impulse in me. And like, I've been stockpiling things and he's like, no, you don't need five pounds of chickpea flour. Like one pound takes us all year. So I bet like now every single purchase has to be pre-approved because I've had to send back some <laughs> like pantry items we're never going to use that are just stockpiling like, in the basement. Yeah, like chickpea flour. Like that's not the first thing that the other preppers, quote unquote, are, are hoarding from the supermarket. So I feel like it's a safe zone. But well... Because I started panicking because there wasn't all-purpose flour. So I'm like, I need other kinds of flour here. So, okay. <laughs> like, we also have almonds flour. I uh, Yeah. <laughs> Things have been returns. It's okay. It's so, okay. So when the apocalypse does come, if anyone needs flowers. <laughs> no, alternative flowers. Alternative, not the kind you yeah. actually want. It's the, it's the true household you want to go to right there. Yeah. <laughs> We don't have toilet paper, but we have a lot of we have a lot of flour. Yeah, <laughs> gluten like, free flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's looking at me. He's like, "No more buying stuff we can't actually use." <laughs> I mm. also got I got eight gallons <laughs> of olive oil. <laughs> it hasn't yet arrived, but thankfully, um, I also got us a chest freezer which is coming so i'm just gonna put the eight gallons of olive oil into the chest freezer anyway so like i was saying i'm just kind of alternating like between those two extremes and i realize that i need to focus on positive stuff like things are actually not going to be that bad mm -hmm. and my first and like i've gotten more positive i started off like okay as bad as this might end up being, this coronavirus thing, it's not the Black Death. So, like, 30 to 60% of Europe died. And this is not going to be that. So, like, point of optimism. <laughs> right. This is an excellent point. Of, you know what's funny is I've been thinking, because I have um, myself and my team here, we've been writing, we've been writing more on the site, on the Live Feisty site. And I keep coming up with these articles. And one of them was... Like to write about one of the major, you know, tragedies in in human history that yeah. involved an illness that literally wiped out, like as a comparison point. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, right, like it's not the Black Death, right? It's, and then, it's, yeah, it's better than that. And then, like my second thing was okay because I was also really stressed about the economy, you know, understandably so. Yeah, like you know, so then I went and was started reading about the Spanish flu. Uh, you know, the flu of 1918 that killed millions of people. And they only had like a 0.5% change in the economy. Like, that's crazy. Oh, that is, like, that the, is optimistic. The economy kept on rolling. Yeah. Wow. People, so I, I figure, okay, all right. So maybe, maybe the economy, it's not all doom and gloom. So that's a point to be optimistic about. And then my third thing that I'm optimistic about is... I went out for a run this morning and uh, so we're, we're still allowed to, to exercise outside cause we're pretty rural here. And as I'm heading out the door, we live in a, like we're pretty much one of the only younger couples. It's mostly retirees in our, our neighborhood and these older couples out for a walk and they're just staring up at the tree and the lady's like, you have to stop. You have to stop and look at this Robin. Like, 
because there's a robin and it's the first sign of spring and it's just so beautiful. I'm like, you know what? I did stop. I'd made it all of like 20 seconds into my run, but I stopped my watch and stood there. I'm like, if these older people can like appreciate that nature keeps rolling on despite, you know, some significant risks with this virus, then like I can appreciate nature and that things keep on rolling on. So those are my yeah. three points in oh, I love ascending those. order of optimism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they, I like how they also go with like in a, some that are like massive, you know, like it's like, it's like this, what, what did you, what was the first one? The black death. <laughs> the black death it's like at least it's not the black death to like robins are tweeting like, <laughs> this is the way my brain works <laughs> i love it you know what's funny is i actually had written down like the birds here too in the oh, morning really? like Aww. one thing because it's spring here right and it's funny because i think because all this was happening i hadn't been noticing things like the weather change as much for you know a few days yeah. where normally this would be the time of year where we're all like, we can suddenly run in a t-shirt again, you know? Wait, um, whoa, whoa. You're in Canada, right? Yeah. But like West coast. So it's pretty mild. We got, I ran like, in a tank top a couple days last what? week. We got five mm. inches of snow a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Vancouver no. Island. It's, it's, Trop it's tropical Canada. Go That's up there right. with That's my bikini. Forget this New Hampshire stuff. <laughs> to be fair, we're probably the only p place in Canada where it's warm right now. Um, like okay. my parents still got snow, but it's, you know, it's, we don't get snow really in the winter over here. But yeah, it's like the, I go, when I wake up in the morning and now it's in the, and as soon as it starts to get light, I can hear the birds. And it was quite notable because I'm in a new condo. So new environment, new bird sounds, you know, and mm -hmm. it's my first spring here. I'm like, wow, I did not notice that. This is great. So my nice. first one was birth, but yeah. I just want to circle back to your intro about the things that you were ordering. Cause I'd like to know from our listeners what they ordered <laughs> when, like what they ordered now, like did they, did anyone order anything unusual online that you wouldn't have <laughs> otherwise ordered? Like gallons of olive oil and chickpea flour. I also got, I, I'm really excited about it. It's coming today. I got a weighted blanket. Do you know what those are? Ooh, yeah. I've seen them on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I bought into that targeted ad. <laughs> Is that like the thing? Like, you know, like when you have anxious pets and you like put a thing yes. around them? Is that blanket. what that's for? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's like I your own. thunder blanket. <laughs> like your security blanket. <laughs> yep. I have my okay, chest well, flea freezer and a thunder blanket. That's I right. am ready. <laughs> Okay, I want to hear about the, the how the thunder blanket worked out next okay. week. Okay, I'll let you know. <laughs> I ordered. Okay, so my things are definitely probably a bit more. What you'd say like I would expect there's. A, I would expect maybe not a lot of people to be in the category like I coffee is something I've bought a ton of. Yeah, so I'm like, what if we run out of coffee? <laughs> I don't want to go through the detox, the coffee detox. No, no, no. And I've and wine by the box, red wine. Oh. Mm -hmm. So and then are those other, your two things that you're optimistic about? Is your coffee and your no, wine? Okay. I haven't got to. We're still Birds, in the intro. coffee and wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> we could go with those three. Like that would be a very happy list for me. Yeah. I feel really optimistic after a bottle of wine too. 
See? It's or I just start me. crying uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely happy drink. Okay. Um, so, so I think, oh, the other things I started, I ordered like things for my daughter to play inside because suddenly we have to, like we have to play inside all the time. So I ordered like a little trampoline that fits right on our deck. So those are my things, but that I ordered. Okay. That was, now for the things I'm optimistic about birds, we started with birds. Right. Um, I think my other ones are definitely I've seen between my, between the live feisty team outspoken team. I'm definitely working on some really great online projects with people who are super optimistic mm. and motivated. That's right? awesome. So it's, and I've seen this not just with my team, but you see it on like where people are banding together in general. I find this happening yeah, and trying to create good or trying to put out positive energy or doing what, what everyone can in their little corner. So that's been really fun to watch. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually been nice to see the shift in social media where, you know, it's easy to get down on it where it can be kind of a negative space, but I feel like it's gotten pretty positive where we want to, can you imagine going through this without the internet? Basically, that's my point. Like you would feel so isolated. Yes. Thank goodness I've been thinking that they did lot. not have that during the 1918 Spanish flu. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel p- optimistic about the the power of the internet to bring us yeah, together. Me too. Yeah, especially because it it had taken a lot of social media channels, you know, had taken as you learned from your troll, um had taken a, you know, a negative down spiral, but I think there's been a bit of a an uptick in uh optimism on on the social channels. So that's me good. too. Yeah. Yeah. And then I get to spend more time with my daughter. Uh, which has been super optimistic and we're like I feel optimistic about our I guess our relationship if you will it's allowed more space for it yeah and so we've been working the last two days we've been working on trampoline routines oh Ooh. mm. yeah I saw you guys practicing a little bit on your Instagram story I think Mm -hmm. um are you gonna put up like a full routine I think that was our full routine okay okay (laughs) It's yep. harder than it looks. Yeah. <laughs> no, it uh it's it's funny cuz it's like it looks really easy but actually like controlling my core enough to go bounce flat on my stomach was actually without kind of like torquing my back was actually oh, a thing. Oh man. Yeah, no. like I need to do like plyometric warm up for the trampolining. Do you, do you have stay in place there? Like is that mm-hmm. is it are oh, you doing like, like province wide? Yeah. No, so we've just been asked to, a lot of businesses have been told to shut down um, Mm -hmm. non-essential business. So really, it's only the grocery store and a couple other businesses that are open. um, And folks aren't going to work unless they have to. uh, But we still, like, we can still go outside to exercise. And I still, um, so that big trampoline is at Rosie's dad's house. So Mm. I take her back and forth to there so I can, so her and I, he's within our, what do you call it? Our isolation group because she yeah. goes back and forth between right. him and I. So, so is it, is it, yeah. did these sorts of things happen the province level or is that, would it be a federal? Uh, uh, both. Okay. Yeah. So there's been a lot of um, federal level announcements through the week. Okay. Actually, Trudeau's been amazing. I think mm-hmm. um, that's our, that's our prime minister for anyone who yeah. doesn't know. Um, he's actually in quarantine because his wife tested positive. He's been doing press conferences every morning and, you know, just basically fact, fact based, <laughs> presenting good information that's fact based <laughs> to the country yeah. as a leader should. So yeah. 
yeah, I've been yeah. extremely grateful. Mm-hmm. Yes, we we're just doing things at a state by state level. And so the state I live in, New Hampshire, the motto is live free or die. So there's like definitely a libertarian streak. But right. my community is basically just everybody's decided that we're going to, you know, shelter in place. But yeah, statewide, there's there's nothing yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting right. to see what happens. I had never thought about that live free or die. Oh, yeah. How that would change meaning in different contexts. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So we had a we had a regular listener of the podcast that we heard from who has been out riding her bike this week. And uh, she was relating to one of our stories. Sarah and Sarah, it's Jordan Blanco here. I'm super excited that you guys have the If We're Writing podcast back up and running, and I think Sarah True is going to be a fabulous addition. I was really enjoying this morning's podcast and the talk about um, snot rockets um, that uh, while I was writing, I was not paying enough attention and ended up colliding headfirst into another cyclist on the Golden Gate Bridge. Normally, I'd be writing much more heads up on the bridge, but given our shelter in place... There's not been anyone in it, so it was quite shocking to um, lock handlebars with uh, another rider. Anyway, I'm totally fine. He's totally fine, so all good. But um, again, I want to say I'm super excited to hear more from you in coming weeks, and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. So, Sarah, I thought it was really funny to hear from Jordan. I was imagining, you know, Jordan cycling, trying to avoid, you know, coming within six feet of, you know, you know, of someone who may be going the same direction as her or something and take, and then colliding into this other cyclist. I think I sort of made up a story about it in my own head, (laughs) but it sort of made me laugh because there's been funny sort of side stories or like that you wouldn't necessarily expect that are, are happening. Um, and I heard one in my own community here that because folks have been, a lot of people have been laid off and people are at Mm. home with kids and trying to get out and the trails are still open. There's been a lot of people here in Victoria going out onto the trails who don't normally go out onto the trails. And so there's been a few police and ambulance calls about with people who get stuck out there with improper footwear, people who have, you know, who just aren't prepared. They don't know how far they're going. They can't get back. And two nights ago, there were two emergency calls to the same national park with people who had stayed out after dark and couldn't find their way back. And the people with two people with the same name. (laughs) So, Oh, wow. There were two different calls. Yeah. So the police went out and found the one person by this name and thought they had found the (gasps) caller. Yeah. And then there was a, then they, (laughs) then they realized they got another call back. They realized there was a second person of the same name in the same area also lost. And so everybody got home safely, but it was part of a larger article that was like, sort of be stay safe like don't cause yeah. extra emergency call outs and if you're not used to going out on the trails like right. prep yourself um, which I thought that was yeah. something I never thought you know I never thought would be you don't think of these like kind of domino effect stories until they're happening I don't know I mean this is this is part of like my family doom and gloom stuff so my my brother's really involved in healthcare, and he's like don't ride your bike outside because if you go to the ICU, they're not going to take care of you. I'm like, Oh, so, you know, but you think about it and like, we only have, we only have so many people who can be out there taking care of us. It's kind of our responsibility, you know, to stay safe. 
So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I've also thought of too with my daughter, you know, yeah. just to with extra caution because I wouldn't want anything to happen and for her to get stuck. Anyway, so the IOC, the oh, International yeah. Olympic Committee. Yeah, this also was a big week. Yeah. It's been a big week. Yeah. So today's Wednesday. We're recording, but it, by the time we release this, it's Friday. So it's probably been, you know, five or six days since that announcement. Yeah. Uh, but we had a really good, uh, another really good question from a listener about that. Hi, Sarah's Squared. This is Jen. And I would be interested in hearing on one of your upcoming podcasts what Sarah True has to tell us kind of from behind the Olympic curtain about what a postponement or cancellation of the Olympics really looks like for an athlete that is still training and has been um, training to peak for this particular Olympics. Obviously, it's disappointing to the point of devastating and most of us can relate to that with our local races being canceled but I have to think that there's an additional aspect to it or um, just something a little bit more that perhaps non-Olympian athletes wouldn't understand or appreciate and would love to hear uh, her thoughts on that. Thanks loving the new podcast. So Sarah Jennifer wanted to know as an ex-Olympian, how do you think, how do you think the Olympic athletes or the would be, I mean, some people weren't even selected yet, right? Yeah. Uh But how do you think the athletes are feeling? Oof. So, you know, I think their first feeling is just relief because you're trying to train like it's a normal situation. And, you know, if, if there's pool closures, if you can't go to the track, if you can't do normal activities, but you're trying to train as though it's normal, just knowing, you know, having that decision, at least they have that weight off their shoulders. They, they don't have to try to keep on training right now and they can, you know, respect the shelter in place or whatever limitations they have where they are. You know, I think there's that just short term piece, but then you realize that like a lot of, a lot of us, you know, approach it like a, it's a four year thing. So it's a four-year cycle, you know, it's, you kind of want to build and peak for the Olympics, and all of a sudden that gets extended another year. You know, it's really sport by sport. So, so like, some of the more niche sports, um, athletes are just kind of hanging on financially, like, let's just get through this Olympic year And, you know, then I'll go back to my real job or back to college or whatever the case might be. And all of a sudden you're you're expected to extend your finances for another year. Uh, So that just that's hard. You know, for qualification, there are a million questions now. So, I mean, we can we'll be covering this in in upcoming weeks. Um, I'm actually part of the, the USA Triathlon Selection Committee. And, you know, we have to decide you know, we have to completely rewrite our selection criteria. So that adds an extra element of uncertainty for our athletes. So it's, I think short term, they're probably relieved long term. They're like, I just, I don't even know how to structure the next year. Um, then like, I definitely have sympathy for athletes who may plan, uh, for family around the quad. So you see a lot of, especially like track and field athletes, you know, the, there's the expectation that the year after the games, that's when they can, you know, start a family and be able to be ready for the next quad. And it just, it makes it that much more difficult. 
you know, the sponsorship gets really tough. A lot of sports like, uh, so my, my husband's a runner. And, um, so I've been living with somebody who's been dealing with the Olympic uncertainty firsthand, Mm -hmm. like a lot of runners, his contract, um, is until the end of this year. So a lot of companies will, will do like four years or they'll make sure that it it goes until the end of Olympic year. You know, obviously the, the hope is that they'll extend the contract. Um, but it, it does make, it's another element of uncertainty for them. So it's, you know, I mean, it's just they don't know how they're going to qualify. They don't know when the games are going to be. But just short term, I think they're just happy to not try to like if you don't have a pool, what are you going to do um, trying to be ready? I also think they're probably like a handful of athletes are who are pretty relieved, you know, like injuries happen, you know, change happens. And, uh, you know, they might benefit from another year of preparation so if you think like even in the terms of age the say you have a a sprinter who is 20 well at 21 they're going to be you know probably even stronger even better you know you have a sprinter who is 30 well 31 you know all of a sudden like that fast twitch stuff it's a little harder i mean if we look at like our, our marathon team, um, for example, for the U.S. So we selected, and now it's going to be two years until they're going to, or another year until they're at the games. So right. you have somebody, um, you know, if you have somebody like uh, like Abdi, who is 43, well, the likelihood that at 44 he's going to be even faster, um, you know, not a <laughs> high degree of probability. And then, uh, I mean, there, there's just so much to this. So a few days ago, uh, Ben got like three different surveys. One was related to uh, USATF. So it was from Christian Coleman, who's another athlete. But it was, it was basically to all the uh, Olympic caliber uh, athletes, track and field athletes. So another one was from the IOC and then uh, from the USOC. And they asked a whole bunch of questions, um, you know, basically about level of preparedness and, you know, is what's happening affect you? Like, what is the downside of all this stuff? And just going through all these different questions. And one of them was um, about whether they feel like it allows, you know, this year postponement allows for dopers to have an advantage. And, you know, for the next few months, you know, the anti-doping program is going to be seriously compromised. Um, so th- like there are pluses and minuses to, to interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Why is the anti-doping program compromised? Because they can't send out people to test you. Right. <laughs> and so right now, if you are a doper, you see it potentially like you have carte blanche to, you know, you do three, six months of EPO, getting some hard training, nobody's probably going to test you. So you're going to so get advice some advice to dopers. Games. Yeah, seriously. No, but <laughs> it's, but it's it just, ex- exactly. People who think cheating already know this. So well, they don't listen not giving to people ideas. Sarah, they yeah. don't listen to our podcast. Clearly. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not interested in our, <laughs> no, no, but it's, I think it's easy. It's easy to focus on the short term. 
ramifications, but you realize how complicated all of this is. And, you know, the, it was the right decision. You know, it was totally the right decisions. But now we're all going to be scrambling to make sure we have fair selection for athletes, you know, to to be able to, you know, have buy in for the process, like to move events. Yeah, it's it's going to be really complicated. A lot of moving I parts. Think the, yeah. The, the optimist in me is seeing the possibility for a very, what do you say, like emotional Olympic Games next summer where the oh, world yeah. has just come out of this big thing happening yeah. and is ready to celebrate. So that's it's my law. I mean, that's not, I know we're talking about the athletes specifically here, but um, that's well, what I'm seeing is like yeah. the, the, the opportunity maybe to be part of what would, what can be a really special Olympics. Well, I mean, this virus has kind of separated us and it's something to bring us together as a world again. And I think, yeah, you know, that's, that's the point of the Olympics is, is a celebration. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think there's definitely, it's, it was the right decision. Um, no question. It's just going to be really hard to reorganize some things and redo contracts and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a long road ahead. Um, well, Sarah, um, a lot of, I heard from a lot of our fans this week because oh. a lot of people are excited about you being involved with the podcast. So after the break, we're going to hear from a couple of our fans and we're going to talk about what we're doing next week. We truly want to thank Noon Hydration for supporting this podcast. If We Were Riding is a live feisty media production and is hosted by Sarah True and me, Sarah Gross. Our audio editor is Aaron Hamilton and our producer is Taylor Mahan Rudolph. So one of our biggest fans, Howard, sent us a voicemail this week welcoming you. So let's let's hear from Howard. Hey, so this is Howard. Um, just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of the podcast and, and have been listening to it for quite a while. Uh, and I'm uh, also a huge fan of Sarah True. Um, so just to have those two things together, to have uh, the Sarah and Sarah show, uh, and and uh, really, really enjoyed the first podcast. It was fantastic. Uh, and it really just sounded like two friends who were uh, talking like they would if they were writing. So it really, uh, it really was exciting and, and great to have uh, Sarah True on the show. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the rest. Congratulations. Uh, my other favorite suggestion oh. for our podcast, because remember we were talking about Truly Gross, Grossly True, Grossly yeah, yeah. True, right. trying to figure out a tagline. So we had a suggestion for somewhat gross and somewhat true. So there was no pressure to be truly gross or utterly true all the time. (laughs) What do you think? I, so I am 100% true and you are 100% gross. So I don't know (laughs) if that's accurate, but I actually, it's catchy. I like it, you know? I'm, oh, I, I'm down with yes. it. You know? Yes. So <laughs> while the podcast is somewhat gross and somewhat true, exactly. I am truly gross and you are truly true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> grossly true. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and on that note, um, <laughs> next week, we're going to have a coronavirus-free episode. So oh, we're yeah. going to try to get through the whole episode without talking about something related to the virus. Do you think we can do it? I think it has so infected our way of speaking. Oh, Sarah. Um, yeah, I would love I think it's a really good challenge. And I feel like we all could use a break. So I think we can do it, but we might be need some incentive to stay accountable. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should. Maybe our listeners can hold us to account somehow. Yeah. So I guess let's let's pitch it to you listeners. If we break out of our self-imposed verbal quarantine, (laughs) I need to get them all in now. Um, (laughs) You we want suggestions on what kind of punishment we just like 10 push ups. I don't know. Like Sarah gets not allowed to tell a story. Um, the other Sarah's not allowed to curse. You've been remarkably clean mouthed, by the way. I know. What's the opposite a- of potty mouthed? I don't know, but I, I realized earlier I even said BS instead of bullshit. Wow. I'm such a good like, influence on I? you. <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> so yeah. Post post on social, give us suggestions what you think our punishment should be if we, you know, if we I was trying to come in with another dumb virus related pun. I know. I'm, I'm out of them. Yeah. I'm out of them. Jeez. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, that's good. But just in time. You're out of virus-related puns just in time to have I no know. more next week. Well, I'll come up with more and I'll get punished. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Sarah. See you next week. See you, Sarah. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.